Blog Talk Radio. Namaste. You are now in the Funk Soul Cafe, a cool, hot, soulful radio show for artists, writers, and so much more, hosted by yours truly, Robert Batista. So sit back, grab a nice, warm, and soulful cup of java or chai, and listen and enjoy. Over the years, I've edited and proofed for several authors, and in 2008, I began creating book videos. I just dabbled around with them, really, until I decided to get serious about them in 2010. Last year, I was talking with a friend of mine who is also an author, and she suggested I gather everything I do for authors in one place. So I took her advice and created an author's edge. These are the inspiring words of today's guest, author Rachel Carrington. Namaste, Rachel Carrington, and welcome to the Funk Soul Cafe. Thank you so much, Robert, and it's a pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure having you, Rachel. So, Let's first start off by taking your Java order. We have a wonderful variety of fine espressos, cappuccinos, and lattes. And we also have herbal teas for those tea lovers. So what's your fancy, Rachel? Give me a double espresso. Uh, <laughs> Any oh, day of the week. You're not shy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I okay. love my coffee. Okay, so do I. Let me fix that up for you. And here you go. Enjoy. Thank you. I will. Rachel, welcome to the Funk Soul Cafe. Recently, on November 30th, you released your 52nd book. Wow, what an accomplishment. So let's go back to the beginning at what moment in your life did you get the itch to be an author? And what was the first thing you did to scratch that itch? Honestly, um, I was 16, and um, my, you know, what you would call your heart 
soul person. Um, my boyfriend at the time um, was unfortunately killed in an automobile accident. And um, I wrote a poem for his funeral, well, actually for the school, and that was pretty much what scratched my itch because up, up until that time I was going to be a teacher. Um, so I ended up writing this poem um, for my boyfriend, and um, after that it was just something I decided I wanted to keep doing. So I'm not going to ask you to recite it, but can you remember uh, the words to that poem? Uh, actually, some of it, yes. I mean, it was like, I mean, it's it's very, very poor poetry, which is why I didn't stay in poetry. Um, it was, uh, see, he was just a teenage boy whose life had just begun. He just got past the starting line, but now his race is run. That was the first verse. Mm. Mm, interesting. Um, so I'm guessing the business of publishing a book is much different now with your 52nd, Rachel, than it was with your first. Talk about what you had to do to get the first one out to the world and compare it to the now of publishing. Okay. Well, um, the first one that I got out to the world, I – got involved in, um, I would say, a. there's no better way of saying it, I got involved in a scam. Um, you did? Back, yeah, I did. I did. Um, I actually signed with an agent who charged a reading fee, who um, it was $250, and I didn't know at the time, because this was way really back before the Internet, I didn't right. know that you didn't pay agents. So I paid her. And the next thing you know, I was with this um, basically author mill company, and that was the first book that came out. Um, I didn't keep the agent very long after that, but that was my first. My first experience was actually not my very best experience with publication, which is why I was – it was almost – heartbreaking when I realized the mistakes, the the huge mistake that I had made. But um, I was fortunate. Um, well, not really so fortunate. It's just that I was determined that I was going to move past that. And that was not going to be the only thing that I knew about publishing. So I just decided right. to learn everything I could about publishing myself. So uh, just out of curiosity, did you go into contract with that uh, scam agent? I did. I actually signed a contract with her, and I contracted for not one but two books. So she got $500 from me, actually. She did wow. not get – she did not publish the second book because the time by that time the first book got published, I had wisened up, and I had realized this isn't right. And bonus, I got my uh, best friend who signed with her as well. So she ended up getting $750 from just the two of us. And I still feel like wow. I owe my best friend an apology. <laughs> <laughs> is she still your friend? <laughs> yes, she is. Yes, she is. <laughs> so sometimes the advice you give somebody is not always the best. Tell me about it. So 
Uh, Rachel, as I stated, last month you released your latest novel called Last Showing. Give us some background on its plot and storyline and why you chose to write this particular story. Okay. Well, Last Showing is um, a serial killer. I like serial killer writing. Um, And basically it's a... uh, a real estate agent that goes to show a house um, a little bit after dark. She becomes the, the target of a serial killer. He attacks her. She managed to escape, but he's not done with her yet. So he pulls out all stops to come after her. Um, and the idea actually came from my real estate agent when she was showing me houses a few years ago. And I asked her, I said, have you had any creepy events? And she said, no, not yet. And I said, but now that you've said something, I might. Um, so <laughs> I, got this, yeah, I got this idea, and then she was like, oh, can I be in the book? And I said, absolutely. I said, I can't promise your survival, but you can be in the book. So um, that book, I started it, and then I put it aside for a while because it just wasn't flowing. And then I finally finished it up this past year. Um, And I really like the way it turned out. Um, And I'm not going to tell you whether or not the real estate agent survives, but but the book is dedicated to her because I wouldn't have, I I doubt I would have gotten the idea without being out looking for houses. And my, my mind's always whirling for ideas when I'm out and about, but that was one that I couldn't have seen coming without looking at houses myself. Yeah, it's amazing how we authors get inspiration from everywhere, everywhere and anywhere. Right. You know, uh, it's, it's just amazing how that happens. So, Rachel, you've written stories in so many different genres. Is there a genre you could never write? Oh, absolutely. That would be horror. Um, I can't even watch horror movies. It, 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 and I know it sounds weird. I know it sounds weird because I write serial killers, but yeah, and I write and I write killers. But I guess mine, it's I have to the books that I write, the the suspense and stuff. I can control. Um, I can control the the ick factor, the scariness right. level. When I'm a horror movie, you can't control it. And I have never <laughs> liked the idea of being chased. You know, I've never liked, you know, being chased or being, you know, somebody jumps out at me and scares me. No, no, no. I don't like that. <laughs> so, and I have tried, I have tried to watch horror movies. In all fairness, I have tried to watch them. Because um, I even did watch Predator, which technically is, you know, more of like a sci-fi, but still scared the hooey out right. of me. So, <laughs> I, I'm like, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay and I have a really really good friend of mine who writes horror and she you know she loves it but I can't even read her stories because I don't like being scared that's amazing Um, so you would think that an author who's written so many books and articles such as yourself probably has taken advanced courses in writing and or joined several writers' workshops to hone her craft. Uh, Did you? I 
I have taken I, I have taken several classes early way back early when um, I did, and I've taken I mean just recently I do try to take a class every so often, like just if nothing else to not necessarily to hone it as much to um, advance it. Like I just took a script writing class, so um, and I wrote my first TV pilot script. So I'm always looking at things that I can take. Generally what I do now are the classes that I, t- that I take are more geared toward research. Like I have a class coming up on December 23rd, and it's about forensics and DNA and things like that, which I know will be helpful in my books. So right. I, don't do, I don't do so much on the craft now, but I am constantly on you know, websites like The Writer and uh, Writer's Digest and Publishers Weekly. I'm constantly on those sites reading about what's going on in the industry and about, you know, changes in, in my writing because I always know there's room for improvement. But way back when, when I first started, I did take more courses. There was a, a site that used to be called Sweet 101, and I would take courses from there. Um, and I was in critique groups, and I was um, in these, you know, writer circles. So right. I, was a lot more, I was a lot more active in the learning side the learning how to write side than I am now as much as now I'm in the learning how to go beyond what I've, what I already know. That makes sense. So speaking. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So speaking of craft, Rachel, let's talk about the craft of conceptualizing and writing a story. After you become inspired by the first, what if, as you did when you went to the realtor, um, do you start with a seed or a concept and then it germinates? And do you do much research for your pieces? Um, I do, let's see, I do research if I know if it's a topic I'm not as familiar with. Um, I am, um, I have been a paralegal for close to 30 years. So the legal aspect is, it, that helps a lot with the legal aspect. So, if it's if one of my characters is going to have a jo- is going to have a job that I'm not familiar with, then yes, I will do a lot of research. If it's um, like like last showing, um, there was some research involved only because in how they were tracking down the serial killer. But generally, I start with an idea, and um, I sit down and start writing from the first line. I'm not an I will do like basic outlines for like characters so I can keep, you know, so that I don't change their eye color from blue to green halfway through the story. Um, <laughs> but I don't, yeah, but I don't generally have um, like four or five page outline before I sit down and write. I, I like to let the story just flow from where, from where, where I start writing. So did I tour around that question or did I actually answer it? No, I got you. Um, just out of curiosity, um, is there any reason why you don't like to outline? You know, it's not so much that I don't like to outline. I have outlined for um, – I wrote a a four-book series um, years and years ago, and I did have to have an outline for that because it was keeping, you know, the characters together. Um, I guess because I write a synopsis, and then I go back and – compare the synopsis to the book to make sure that everything is 
is where it should be. I've tried writing outlines. Now, let me correct myself because I just recently started writing young adult, and I have done outlines for those because it was just not a genre that I was comfortable with. So I did start right. writing those, right. but those, but those are more chapter by what I do is a chapter by chapter outline, kind of like you know this is what I want to happen in this chapter and this kind of stuff. Yes. Um, right. That's right. yes. But and the, and and it did make it easier. Not and I realized oh that made it easier a little bit easier to write the synopsis when it came around. But I have never been if I write a, an outline I've never been one to stick to it. I always veer off. So that's why I kind of just said, well, let me just let me just write from the seat of my pants and see what happens then, rather than writing an outline that I'm not even going to stick to, because everything just flows Let's, it just flows more naturally for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that works. Um, let's talk about Rachel Carrington, the person. Where did you grow up, and what was your childhood like? Um, I grew up in, um, well, I was born in Wilmington, North Carolina. I, in the area where I live now, which is Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. And, um, you know, most of my, we moved a lot in my childhood. And so I, books just became, um, a very favorite pastime of mine and, I was just one of those kids that everywhere you, you know, if you saw me, I had a book in my hand. Um, or I was more of a, a loner child. I wanted to be, right. I, I liked my privacy. I liked to be, you know, sequestered in my room reading. Um, so I didn't really, I wasn't really the outgoing, you know, person that I am now. <laughs> I I just kind of like evolved in this. I just I kind of evolved into this outspoken, outgoing person. So I don't know where that came from as a child, how that how that developed from a child to this now. But I'm grateful that it did because um, if this was thirty years ago, you would not be talking to me because <laughs> I just could not talk to people. Just it was just um, I was just incredibly shy. So that's, I guess, one of the other reasons why I turned to books. So you mentioned you always had a book in your hand. What were some of the books and some of the authors that inspired you in your youth? Oh, uh, Laura Ingalls Wilder. Um, absolutely mm-hmm. loved all of her books. I've read them several, several times. Um, Judy Bloom. I enjoyed her books. I enjoyed the Nancy Drew series, um, so I guess you could say the suspense started a little bit early. Um, I loved um, the Little Women, Pride and Prejudice, any of those, you know, Jane Austen, any of those kind of books. Right. I just I loved. So the cla- so the, I, I did really enjoy the classics, um, except for the ones that we were forced to read in school. But um, I mean, like I loved Scarlet Letter. And we, right. that was one of the ones that we had to we had to read in school. So I read books that were, I would say, probably not always age appropriate because I read so fast that I was you know running through the shelves on the library so fast. 
that I would just have to, you know, I would just move up to the next level. And so probably by, I don't know, fourth grade, I had pretty much read all of Jane Austen. And what about now? What are your favorite genres to read? And do you have any favorite authors now? Oh, I do. Um, so many. My favorite genres to read, or I, I do love to read young adult. Um, I love to read um, first-person novels. Mostly right. um, I, I, I do enjoy literary novels. Um, uh, of course, I enjoy romance and suspense and mystery. I for as far as favorite authors go, I mean, good grief, there's so many of them. Lisa Renee Jones is one. She is um, a New York Times bestselling author, and she's um, written several different series. Uh, but the series she's got going on right now is um, is it called Dirty Rules, or maybe that's the name of the book. And then there's um, Sarah Cannon. Sarah Cannon has written this wonderful series. Um, it used to be called the Peach. Peachville High Demons, and I think it's now called the Shadow Saga. That's for young adult. And then there's Angel Lawton. She's another young adult writer who is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and let's see. There is uh, Robin Perini. She is a Harlequin author. She writes the Harlequin Intrigue books, and I just got into her books because I started creating book videos for her. And so then I started reading her books, and she is just she's fabulous. Um, and the list could go on. I mean, I, I do have a, an incredibly long list of favorite authors. It's Lauren Hawkeye, and um, I mean, there's just too many really for me to be able to name all of them off. Very, so, very interesting. Yes, you are a voracious reader, and it seems like you've always <laughs> I, been. I am. I just, I still, I mean, to this day, I'm reading. I'm a, I got a late bloom on the Ransom Riggs series, the um, uh, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I got a late start on that one. So I'm just now into book two on it, on his series. So let me ask you this. Uh, a lot of people feel there's a school of thought that says you have to be a voracious reader to be a good author. Do you agree? Yes, I do agree that you have to read to know what's being published, to know what has been published, to educate yourself on the type of writers that are coming up in the industry. Somebody that says, I, you know, if, they, if, if you say I don't, I write but I don't read, to me it's like you don't know, that you're pitching to these publishing houses or these editors, but you don't know what they're publishing. Right. You know, you don't know you don't know if what you're writing has the idea has already been bloomed somewhere else. Right. So, yeah, I, I think you need to be to me part of the writing process is reading because you not only do you need to know what's out there, but you need to know what you know if what you're writing is too similar to something else. Right. Right. That's an excellent point. I'd like to talk about the quote I opened with, your creating book videos, which led to you conceiving an author's edge. Can you talk a little more about this fantastic concept and how it has taken off the way you hoped? And has it actually taken off the way you hoped by helping many writers as you intended? Well, 
honestly, with that, I, I did it for a little bit. I've kind of put it on the back burner because I got so busy doing um, – I got into to writing for something called Movie Pilot. Um, it's an right. entertainment website. It, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, it's um, all about books, movies, and stuff like that. So I got into writing for that, and I realized how much I enjoyed doing it, and that lessened the time that I had. I still do book videos for authors. Um, and I've, and I, before I stopped, I haven't really stopped helping authors, but before I stopped working as much on author's edge, I had these book covers created that I just went on to one of my writers groups and just said, Hey, I've got a bunch of these free book covers. If anybody wants them, you can have them. So I do try to, so I try to give back to all. And that was another part of it too, is that it was, it was hard for me to charge authors for things that they didn't know how to do as far as writing a right. book blurb or something like that, because it, it was just, I, I like to give back to authors. So um, I kind of like, I did kind of stray away from an author's edge and I, but I still do, like I said, I still do the videos and if an author were to come to me right. and ask me for help, yeah, I would still give it to them. But I, like I said, I, right. I got really busy. I got really busy in, into writing for movie pilot and that is, you know, it's a paid job. So it's, it's you know, it's um, pretty much guaranteed money. People that say, you know, they're not in this for the money. You know, people that say they're not in this for the money, well, I'm not one of them. Um, guaranteed not, money is guaranteed money. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's I love to write. So any opportunity, if it's, an, you know, an article – a post for movie pilot, if it's a blog post, whatever it is, I I just really enjoy writing. So that's always going to be Rachel, my first go-to. Rachel, I know writing, no matter the obstacles, is so important to you. You have a goal to write every day, and you manage to keep that while in the hospital after having <laughs> a mini stroke. Can you talk about going through this trying period, and what type of writer as well as person arose from this event? Wow, yeah, that was um, October 2012. Um, it was by far one of the scariest experiences I've ever endured. Um, I just, um, you know, just all of a sudden just went numb on one side of my body. We, you know, my my doctor knew what to do. Um, I got into the hospital and all of a sudden I was surrounded by all these doctors. Um, and I had been in and out of the, you know, in and out of the hospital before, but this was the first time I had seen so many, you know, white coats in the same room. Um, right. and you know, when they told me, you know, what had happened, I was like, that's, that's just not possible. It's just not, it's just not possible. I'm too young to have had that happen to me. Of course, I know that people have had, strokes at younger ages um so at any rate they did admit me that evening and i realized my phone battery is almost low um i have no way to write uh, and i i can't miss my goal because by this time i had already taken some aspirin i was feeling better so i asked the nurses do you have just some sheets of paper and a pen and you know they're like okay maybe she's wanting to write out her last will and testament i don't know <laughs> but, but they they brought in the the paper, and so 
it wasn't even a book that I was writing on, but I started writing. Um, and I just wrote just a couple of paragraphs because I was just really, you know, really tired. As far, you know, and after that, after I got out of the hospital and I realized, wow, you know, I wrote even though I was in the hospital, you know, hooked up to, you know, machines or whatever, you know, not really, it wasn't like I was on life support, but that I still wrote. And I said, so to me, that just tells me that any goal can be kept no matter the obstacle. And that, that has always so been, impressive. and I have not stopped, I, I have, there have been other times when I thought, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, how am I going to do this? But I have figured it out how, as far as to how it's changed me, I would say the, the stroke changed me more in the ways that I look at life as opposed to how I look at writing. Um, right. You know, it is so easy to get wrapped up in these small things. You know, there's a book out called "Don't You Know Don't Sweat the Small Stuff," um, right? And right. it's very yeah, it's it's very easy to do that. And I don't know how much of that played into the stroke, or I know there was a you know there was an issue, there were some other health issues going on, but I don't know how that much played, the stress or the worrying about things played into the stroke. But I do know that yes. writing is my writing is my outlet. And so if I'm stressed, it's something I know that I can always go to, and it helps to calm me down. Rachel, and that's, let's talk about mm-hmm. – go ahead. No, so then that's just – that's just will, – will be my goal from here on in. I can't imagine and not writing. And that's a wonderful thing. Right, right. Let's talk about what I call, Rachel, the 800-pound gorilla in the room which is marketing. So many authors spend so much time writing and publishing their book, but they have no clue on how and what it takes to market it. What advice would you give to writers who have a hard time marketing their books? I would say, for me, I'm one of the odd ducks that loves marketing, mainly because I love talking. I think the important part of marketing is finding what works for you. There, to me, there is no set way of marketing. Like people will say, you know, get active on social media, get, you know, right. um, get the book signings. Well, not, it doesn't work that way for everybody. Everybody's not going to be comfortable doing a book signing. But you can find something you're comfortable with. You can, you have to look to find that one avenue that works for you. Maybe it's, maybe it's cold calling, like telemarketing. You know, maybe it's – one of my favorite things to do is I talk to people when I'm standing in line um, at the grocery <laughs> store or wherever. Like the post office today, I was standing in line. I sold a book. That's – you know, just if, if that's what you've been given to work with, then that's what you work with. You know, maybe you like being behind the scenes fine, then be behind the scenes and go the social media route or go the interview route, podcast route like this, you know, but you have to find whatever makes you comfortable. And if you say, you know, I'm just not comfortable marketing, that to me is, it, that's unacceptable. You, you cannot expect anybody else to know your book as well as you do. So you have right. to market it. Right. 
Right, exactly. And if you don't, if you're not enthusiastic about your own work, then how is somebody else going to be enthusiastic? Correct. That's right. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's. I'm just. Mm-hmm. I'm just a firm believer in in marketing your work. So, in closing, Rachel, I have what I feel is a pertinent question. Okay. If someone, if someone who's never read any of your stories, wanted to pick one up and get to know who you are, which one of your novels would you recommend she read first and why? It's an older book with love from Sam. Um, it was it's kind of a, it's got like a paranormal tint to it because it has been, that was the book where I got the review that said that I was almost, that it reminded them of something Jodi Picoult, Picoult would write. And okay. that has stuck with that has stuck with me because it is those are the kind of goals that you have. Those are the kind of things that you want is to be compared to some of these major writers out there. But the most but the biggest part of that was the reviewer also said that the book touched her. And because in part of the book, the first part of the book, the two year a two year old child dies. And so the rest of the book is spent you know, trying to deal with that. Um, sure. So that was yeah, that was the most emotional book I've ever wrote, I've ever written. Wow. So I would yeah, so I would just say to see me deliver emotion, that would be to read with love from Sam. So what's next for Rachel Carrington? Um, what other irons do you have in the fire coming up? Well, I have an agent. I have my agent has two books, uh, two of my young adult books, one of my uh, suspense novels and an inspirational romance novel. I have a historical um, novella, which is coming out um, in 2017. And I did a little stray and wrote a woman's fiction novel, which is also coming out next year. And I am on, I'm working on my third young adult novel. Oh, hey, yeah. hey, man, that is so cool. So if people want to get in contact with you, learn more about you, follow you, website, give out any contact information you'd like. Um, RachelCarrington.com is my website. I can always, I'm a big Twitter fan. I'm on Twitter at um, RCarrington2004. I'm on Pinterest at RCarrington2004. I'm on Facebook at author Rachel Carrington. Those are the big places you can find me, but I'm also you can also find me on Goodreads as well. This has been the Funk Soul Cafe with me, Robert Batista. One of the easiest ways to peer into my soul is to download and read my free micro story, My Baby Has No Name, from Smashwords.com. My guest has been the fantastic multi-genre author, blogger, and so much more. Rachel Carrington. Make sure you visit her website, rachelcarrington.com, and feast your mind. Thank you so much, Rachel, for being my Thank guest you. on the Old Cafe. I had a wonderful time. I did, too. I greatly enjoyed it. Thank you. Have a great one. Bye now.